title of the message this morning is Kingdom Influence, Kingdom First. Kingdom Influence, Kingdom First. You can begin to turn so long to Matthew chapter 6. It will not appear on the screen, so please have a look. Uh, Matthew 6 verse 24. Now, as mentioned last week, I believe that the Lord spoke to my heart and he laid on my heart the theme of kingdom influence for this year. And specifically, this sermon today, this today's message is kingdom first. And I have a sense in my heart that God wants to increase the kingdom influence through this church locally, as in the corporate church. And I have a sense in my heart that God wants to increase his kingdom influence through your life individually. Can you get a bit of a, a dream or a desire in your heart that God's kingdom would flow through your life in this year more than it has ever in previous years? And I ask you, how will you live this life of yours this year? How will you live your life? Will you live it focused on self-interests? Or will you live your life focused on pursuing the kingdom of God? There is such a huge difference between those two. And today we want to emphasize the tremendous importance of seeking God's kingdom first. This is huge. God first, God first, God first. Some people say, well, I want to I I seek God. God, but you know, I, I'm not sure if I want it to be first, but God says, I want that place of preeminence in your heart, in your life. And I know that when you give me that place, everything else goes better in your life. Let's look at Matthew 6, verse 24 to 34. And let's read it through, not to rush reading it through, but to let it sink in. It says in verse 24 of Matthew 6, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap, nor gather into barns, yet these three words, yet your heavenly Father, your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? I'm not sure if this is directed to the men or to the ladies. Just kidding. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. How they grow, they neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. 
Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? You know, sometimes we actually need to realize that there's not enough faith. And God wants us to grow in our faith. We're so concerned about these things. There needs to be that growth of our faith. This can be a year of the growth of your faith. Come on, let me say that again. This can be a year of the growth of your faith. Amen? Verse 31, therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after these things, the Gentiles seek for your heavenly Father. Would you say those three words? Your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. When you read through the word, do you find it beautiful? It's beautiful to read through the word. The word has this ability to center us. And sometimes we're frantic in our spirits. And you take a little portion of the word and you read it and it just centers you. Right on to God. Wow. There are four things I'd like to share with you about these 10 verses of scripture. Number one, if you are serving the world system, then you will not be able to place God first. Let me say it again. If you are serving the world system, then you will not be able to place God first. Just verse 24, it says, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Essentially, this verse is saying that you have to make a choice. You have to make a choice. Already with the way that you live in, you are making a choice. Hopefully, it's the good one and the right choice, but maybe God will even use this message today to help you in making that choice. The choice is between God and mammon, and you have to choose between the two. What's it going to be? If you decide to admire and serve mammon, then you will be disloyal to God, unfaithful to God. And if you desire to serve God, then you will see mammon in its rightful place, which is under the feet of the believer. Amen? Now, some people might think, well, surely I can serve both. You don't know me, John. I'm a structured man. I know how to structure my day, and, and I can fit this all together, and surely I can serve both. But I want to tell you, that is an impossibility. It's like trying to serve the North Pole and the South Pole. These are opposite poles. You cannot possibly do that. Ask yourself this question today. Am I serving the world system? You don't have to answer it out loud. Just in your own heart, if you think about it. Am I serving the world system? Am I serving mammon? Does it have its claws into me? I believe many people would say no today. I believe some people would be saying yes, and you don't know how far these claws are into me. To answer the question of am I serving the world system, maybe we need to clarify uh, the term mammon. What does it mean and what is its significance? 
Well, mammon means riches, money, and possessions. Riches, money, and possessions. Therefore, if I am serving mammon, I am serving riches. I am serving money. And I am serving possessions. But I believe it also has a deeper significance to it. If I'm serving mammon, then I am trusting in riches. If I'm serving mammon, I'm trusting in money. If I'm serving mammon, I'm trusting in possessions. I'm actually placing my trust in those things. And it's actually scary, but that's the real problem here. And that's what God was addressing And you see, we live in such a materialistic society. So many people are consumed by mammon and materialism, and uh, they are living their lives serving and trusting in money, and here we are, sometimes it's, it's a case of we're being influenced by the culture around us. But the Bible does say, don't be conformed to the pattern of the thinking of this world, but be transformed by renewing your mind. In other words, believe what God's word says and you begin to think with a kingdom mentality. If we're gonna have kingdom influence, we're gonna have to have a kingdom mentality about how we think about these things. And so people are out there with this materialistic view, serving and trusting in money, but God calls us to serve and trust in him. And also realize this, that money should serve us. We should not serve money. Money should not have dominion over us. We should have dominion over money. And as we keep mammon under our feet, it creates space in our hearts for the kingdom in a greater way. Some people might say, well, it's actually the other way around. You know, the kingdom in our heart and then mammon under our feet. Well, maybe it's a bit of both because here as kingdom believers that I'm speaking to today, you realize that you need to keep mammon more under your feet And the kingdom of God expands in your heart and life as you choose to serve God and his kingdom. So number one, if you're serving the world system, then you will not be able to place God first. Number two, worry is a most futile and discouraging activity. Would you say that with me? Worry is a most futile and discouraging activity. From our text, allow me to highlight uh, the phrases that mention worry. Verse 25 says, therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. Verse 27, which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? Verse 28, so why do you worry? Verse 31, therefore do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink or what shall we eat? Verse 34 says, therefore do not worry about tomorrow. Won't you please turn to the person next to you and say, we don't need to worry. Say that to them. We don't need to worry. Tell them to please smile as well. (laughs) Don't worry. Be happy. Okay. So... In this passage, we are urged no less than five times not to worry. And you know what? That is God's heart for us today. Today, that's God's heart for you. As I was preparing to minister this word and looking at these, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, 
As I was looking at these scriptures, I, I began to think of myself and how in recent months, at different moments, how I've been worrying and, and I was just grateful to the, for the word of God. I was just so grateful for the word of God because the word of God does incredible things. It, it brings, brings faith, brings faith into your heart. And as I was going over this, I was just thinking, thank you, God, that this is your heart for us today. Your heart for us is not to worry. And this aspect of worrying in this passage is not a side issue. It's a dominant theme of our passage. And God's word, we should be clear on this, speaks very clear into the area of worry. We should take note that God does not want worry to get the better of us. He does not want it to hammer us. It's interesting to note the origin of the English word worry. The Middle English is spelled W-E-R-Y-E-N, varian. It basically means to strangle, to bite, or to harass. It's similar to the German word virchen. I understand that's, that's the word. But isn't that what worry does? Isn't that exactly what it does? It virchio, it strangles you, it harasses you. Now, what is the opposite of worry? If you ask the person in the street, what is the opposite of worry? They'll probably say something like calmness, peace, being tranquil. And uh, in the dictionaries, that's some of the antonyms that come up for the word worry. But I believe a, a better spiritual opposite of worry is faith. <laughs> that's what it is. So when worry is in our life, we have to see to it that our faith levels get to rise. Worry is a type of fear, and it is the opposite of faith. I like what Joyce Meyer says. She says, when you are in faith, you are not in worry. And when you are in worry, you are not in faith. You see, worry is a tool of the enemy. The enemy loves worry. He loves to keep you in that and place all sorts of burdens of that upon you, but he hates faith. And he knows when you begin to get into faith and allow the word of God to become real in the situations that you face, he knows he cannot defeat you. And that's why Jesus, when he was in the wilderness and being tested and tempted by the enemy, he said, it is written, it is written. It is written because he knew he could withstand the enemy by the power of the word and by the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And so Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Hebrews 11 6. So when we reject worry and choose faith, we are pleasing God. You might be feeling like I'm really plagued with worry right now, John. I really am. Well, I want to encourage you to reject worry. You can do it. And I want to encourage you to choose faith. It is so pleasing to God. Number three, are you still with me? We can learn about being happy and carefree from God's creation. Now, by a show of hands, how many of you would love to be a little bit more carefree and a little bit more happy? Put your hand up. Come on. A little bit more carefree and happy. Well, the Bible tells us that we can through living this kind of a kingdom lifestyle. We actually can. It's not something that's out of reach and that we only experience in heaven. From our text, let me highlight a few of the phrases that speak about being carefree. Verse 26, it's on your screen. Look at the birds of the air. 
For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Verse 28, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. In verse 30, God clothes the grass of the field. So Jesus is pointing out three objects that he has created. He says, look at the little birds. Look at the lilies of the field. Look at the grass. And he's saying none of them are burdened with anxiety, but they are actually carefree and happy. If you look at those pictures on the screen of the little birds, you almost want to say, oh, cute. They don't look stressed out. They look at, yes, every now and again, they've got the butcher bird that they've got to contend with and fly away and hide away and so on. But generally speaking, there's a, they're hopping around, they're skipping around, and, and Jesus points to them as an example of being carefree. There was a time when I took an interest in birds, and my mother was, she had an operation. Uh, she was recovering for an extended period of time in bed. And so we began to put a little bird feeder, I was still quite young, little bird feeder outside the window and put seeds there. And we bought some birding books and we got the binoculars and started taking photos. And it was actually beautiful to develop an interest in birds, a little bit of a love for birds. How many bird lovers do we have here? Any bird lovers? Okay. Now, most times the, the predator lovers, the animal lovers, when they pass you in Kruger, they're like, oh, what are you looking at? You know, because uh, you get into this looking at birds, and it's actually so beautiful. But the lion seekers, they don't like no birds, am I right? But here we are, and uh, we were developing this interest in looking at birds, and it was actually so beautiful, and they're depending on their creator, and we can learn from them. And also Solomon, in all his grandeur, was not yet like one of these little lilies of the valley, and can you imagine the opulence of Solomon's clothing? It must have been incredible. But Jesus says, just the lily of the field is far more beautiful, more beautifully clothed than all of that opulence. And so we need to realize that God is taking care of us. Like he's taking care of the lilies and the grass and he's taking care of the birds, God is taking care of you. And in this year, he's looking after you. He's taking care of you. Something to mention here is that carefree living doesn't mean careless living. Some people start to think, well, maybe I don't have to be all that responsible. I don't really have to work, etc." No, you do. This is part of life. It's a necessary part of life. And as you work, you can trust God to bless the fruit of your hands and your labor, and he will bring about productivity. But here Jesus is saying, look at the birds. Look at the lilies. They are carefree and depending on their maker. Point number four, number four. Your heavenly father is sensitive to your needs. He will provide as you place him first. He will provide as you place him first. Now look at the scripture. It says in uh, Matthew 6 verse 32, the second part in verse 33, it says, for your heavenly father knows. Would you say the word knows? that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. 
I find it tremendously encouraging to, that it says your heavenly father knows. It means he has a affectionate and a warm understanding of your situation and what you're going through. And I want to say to you today, if you're feeling disconnected from God and feeling like he doesn't know, I want to encourage you today and say, he knows, he knows, he really does know. And you might say, but Lord, I need groceries. And the Lord says, I know, I'm sensitive to your need. You might be saying, Lord, the school fees are going so high and would you help me, Lord? And God says, I know. You might say, Lord, I have to put my son, my daughter through university. It's ridiculously expensive. Lord, what am I gonna do? And God says, I know, and I'm sensitive to your needs. What's the big idea here? The big idea is that as we are focusing on God and focusing on fulfilling his calling upon our lives, in other words, kingdom first, then the automatic outflow is provision for our lives. But the converse of that is if we choose to walk away from our destiny, to choose to run away from God's plan and just say, well, I'm going to do my own thing, then we very well may struggle with provision all the days of our lives. We may struggle because we're not putting God first. We're not responding to what he has placed upon his heart. Henry Blackaby, I'd like to give you two quotes that he gives. He says, if we are to truly follow Jesus, God's kingdom must be our priority, just as it is Christ's. Another one from Henry Backerby says, God is looking for those who will make the pursuit and the extension of his kingdom their chief aim. I want to ask you, are you making the pursuit of God's kingdom your chief aim or is it just something that you admire and it's somewhere in one of the priorities? I want to tell you God is looking for people who will make it their chief aim and then he will show himself strong on your behalf. And the provision will just begin to fall into place as a matter of course. And I want to say to you that we need to set our hearts on the kingdom of God. I believe God is speaking to us. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. God is saying, set your heart. Set your heart on my kingdom. God is saying, keep me first, keep me first, and I will meet your needs and I'll take you into things that you've never thought were possible. Once again, that beautiful song by Dr. Miles Monroe. All that I need is your kingdom. All that I need is my kingdom. All that I need is your righteousness. Then I have everything. Lord Jesus, we know that you are stirring our hearts at this point in time. But we thank you, Lord, for your word to us today. Your word is encouraging. Thank you that we don't need to be con uh, caught up and consumed with worry and consumed with finances, but we could consider the birds and the lilies and and we can be sensitive to you and your purposes, Lord. And as we give ourselves to you, as a matter of course, you provide our needs. You add these things. And so we thank you, Lord, that you are faithful to your word. And we hold to you. We hold to your word in this year. And Lord, our desire is that you would bring about 
kingdom influence through us as we put you first. Now I speak a blessing over everyone here. I say the Lord bless you. Would you receive this? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you, be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his smile upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, and we all say amen. Let's give the Lord a hand of praise. God bless you.